My Michelle Live, Sports Time Out. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Hey, here we go. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for, wait for it, sports! 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 Yes! Go, 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 basketball! Basketball! Baseball! And We're soon here. to be me... hockey! Oh, hockey. yeah, yeah, yeah. And hey, Bracken. please, don't forget Cur- curling. rugby! Curling. Rugby, you got to get that in there too. I've got my Sea Wolves shirt on. We're going to be talking sports today. Let me introduce you to the round table. He's a pastor. He is a coach. He's an all-around cool guy. Uh, he he's a he's a he's a soccer fanatic, but he's got a Seahawks background today, so he's still staying loyal to his team. Garrick Payne. Uh, we've got Rich Hallstrom. He's a veteran sports reporter from here. Uh, we're all kind of have a connection here to the great Northwest. Um, he's the author of Thunder Sports Network, Rich Hallstrom. Uh, he is a sports reporter. He is a photographer, and he's the author of an upcoming sci-fi, cool sci-fi novel, Breaking Yesterday. We've got with us Brent Baker and, of course, Joshua. He's, he's a Wookiee. Let's hear it, Josh. Wookie of the year. Wookie of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's our sports authority, man on the street, Joshua McMillan. Hey, guys, good to connect with you. Happy Friday. Uh, we're going to get into some sports, and it is uh football season where it gets really, really serious. So I wanted to start with uh, – the college playoffs, which to me, that was, that was, we talked about how interesting this one was going to be because of some of the issues with COVID sitting out, who's really going to come out on top. And it looks like Bama did. Alabama proved that they are the number one team in the nation. And there's no doubt about it. And Nick Saban is the best college coach in America. Seven national titles, six with Alabama. You could make the case that he's the best of all time. Brent? You know, it's hard to disagree. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. And, and amazingly, with a program of that stature, you know, you haven't had the NCAA sniffing around. Not that they do much, but usually there's whiffs of scandal around these uber-successful programs. And, and to his credit, um, you know, Nick Saban is a guy where he draws these coaches that have been disgraced in other jobs, and they come and they rehabilitate their images they up their game and then they get premium jobs elsewhere and seemingly are better for it. So, I mean, I, I would love to have seen Alabama go down, but they just have too much talent. They're too well coached. The program's just a machine. And I mean, it's kind of the opposite of the NFL where you, if you tank your season, you get top draft put choices in college. Mm. If you're successful, it just breeds more success and you get all the best players and all the best coaches. Good point. And you know, so the, the fact they they won is not surprising. I guess my my biggest thing is I, I hate with the college season now that you know that every year it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State, and one other interloper. You know, it, it just is the way it is, and even COVID didn't stop that. Yeah, Josh. We need a legit. Go ahead, Josh. 
Yeah, well, I I saw someone say something which is kind of ridiculous and kind of shows why Alabama is going to stay on top. When uh, those top recruits are going out and they're talking to people, Nick Saban can look them in the face and say, every single recruit I've had in the last 10 years has won a college football championship. Excellent point. No one else can say that, and that's why they are going to continue to be on top because they have – they have a pull that no other school has in Nick Saban and the success that they have the unprecedented over a decade of success now that they've had since he joined in 2007. And one of the other things, Michelle, that people need to remember, this is a tie into the Northwest. Don James had Nick Saban at one time at Kent state as one of his assistants talked him out of going into real estate. Did I say Rich is our (laughs) sports encyclopedia here? There you go, right from the pages of the Rich Encyclopedia, Garrick. As a former collegiate uh, soccer coach, I can tell you that the point that was brought up earlier about recruiting is is really the key to success in in intercollegiate sports is that you really need to be able to recruit and if you can recruit well then you can build championships okay one, one, one look question. how high their draft capital every year you have alabama players going in the first second third round i mean they they dominate drafts for the nfl every year so one one thing that was raised during the broadcast was that they had 13 guys you know on both sides of the ball 13 guys are rated with first round talent Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're all coming out this year, but but um, it, it raises the question: What do you think would happen if they play the Jets or Jaguars this year? Um, it would be interesting because, I mean, granted, an NFL team knows where those other nine guys are going to be, and that's where they would exploit. But there's not a lot of NFL teams that have 13 first-round talent guys on their starting lineup. Either. Oh. There I think you, it would be, oh, I, like I think it would be close for about a quarter. I think we underestimate that jump from college football to pro football. And if you go back in history, they did have what's called the uh, I believe it was called the all pro all-star game or something like that, where the defending Super Bowl champion for a number of years played a group of college all-stars up until the early 70s yeah and uh, the college all-stars did not fare very well against the defending well, for a super couple bowl. of reasons well, you're, I mean, you're talking about the super, the super bowl, bowl team champ. right you're talking, talking about, about the, the super browns bowl a couple years ago i mean yeah thank you exactly <laughs> yeah. and two you're talking about all-stars that's not a team there's something to be said about a team people have worked together in and out so i'm thinking you know play off of that that might be kind of an interesting what it, it would be a really kind of cool reward for your college playoff champs to play uh the low maybe the lowest seeded the, the worst nfl team yeah well but i think rich rich i think you made a, an important point in terms of that jump between college and high and and the profet the professional level because the other thing is when you get a first round draft pick that that joins an nfl team he's joining an nfl team right and so all the players around him and to draw from their experience and their wisdom and it it if you have a, a good coach, it you can incorporate that person in and and make all their gifts shine. And and I think it, it would be interesting, but I, I definitely think that the NFL team would still most definitely have an edge. One more thing. 
thing yeah, to accentuate that point, and Brent, I think you'll back me up on this. Aren't the odds of becoming a pro athlete something like one in every 16,000 people? Uh, that's probably even high. <laughs> I mean, it's wow. probably less than that. But I, yeah, I think, I think it's interesting to think about when you have all that talent on the field. But again, NFL teams are so adept at finding the weakest link and exploiting that. So you can have those 13 guys, but if you've got nine, nine guys that are not NFL caliber, you know where the ball's going, you know, you know, who's going to get blocked out, who's going to get waylaid by, by an Aaron Donald or whatever. I mean, you see it in, in NFL games with teams that have NFL talent. So I can only imagine what would happen to, to Joe Scrub on a college team facing up with even a, a marginal NFL player. <laughs> I'd still like yeah, to see I, the game, and that maybe that's a reason why we have uh, and are excited about the XFL. And that even though it looks like it looked like their demise, they were going to look at a reprise because we do see a f very few who get into the NFL. But there's people who maybe not ready yet, or uh, just didn't make the grade, or whatever it may be, still need some development. I'm excited about that, Josh. I think that the uh, those odds of becoming a pro athlete, um, I think if you go to Alabama, that's more like one in three. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> talk about that there. That like, so. point. Well, well, I wanted. Nick, I wanted Nick Saban to, could find okay. me a spot. I think. Uh, I think he's just that good. <laughs> I wanted to share possible. with you guys uh, a, some a compilation of tweets that were put together from Ohio. And as you watch this, for those of you with Seattle backgrounds, and having watched the Seattle game, <laughs> you kind of get how they feel. This is part Every of day it. like a Mardi Gras. Everybody party all day. No work, all play. Okay, so we sip a little something, leave the rest to spill. Me and Charlie at the bar running up a high bill. Nothing less than ill. When we dress to kill. Every time the ladies pass, they be like, can y'all feel me? All ages and races. Real sweet faces. Every different nation. Spanish, Haitian, Indian, Jamaican. Black, white, Cuban, or Asian. I only came for two days of playing, but every time I come, I always wind up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. Well, guys, it, it kind of goes on. It, it kind of goes on with, yeah, I didn't really care anyway. And, and it was stolen from <laughs> us. And, you know, all stolen. of the things that you see when you, all of your hopes are put on a game and boom, you know, the, the, the team doesn't come through. So having said that, what where a great were you, segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where were you for those who are watching that aren't Seahawk fans, come on. You've had loss heartbreak losses too. So feel our pain for just a little bit. Most of us, in fact everyone here is a Seahawks fan. Where were you during the, the debacle and the shortest season in recent history? I oh, was man. speechless. <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to forget the uh, crash and burn motif, the Hindenburg motif, <laughs> that was the Seahawks' final uh, game of the season. Uh, wrong time for the offense to flame out, Josh. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, wrong time indeed. And, you know, the defense making that big turnaround halfway through the year, I just, I don't know what is going on with Russ, but I, I believe he can get back to form. But, man, he is, he's not making good decisions back there. And you, you can blame part of it on the coaching. I mean, we saw Brian Schottenheimer leave the building. He's out. We're looking for a new offensive coordinator. Russ wants to be involved in that. But you can't blame it all on the coaching because he was holding the ball forever. You know, if Amen. you're, and we talked about looking at the two deep safeties all year, Pete Carroll mentioned that a couple of times, like I want to run the ball with focus because I'm tired of looking at two deep safeties. And when you're looking at two deep safeties, you can't hold the ball for five seconds and expect to be able to get that deep pass off. You got to get the short game. You got to, you know, you got to run the ball. You got to get the quick outs. You got to look to your outlets. And if you don't, you're going to sit there and take sack after sack, which is exactly what happened. So honestly, I place the majority of the blame for this game on Russell Wilson, which is hard to say and surprising to say as a Seattle fan. Well, the number 47, I believe, is the final total that was the sack total this year, Josh. And that's just way too many sacks for Russell Wilson to be be getting touched. Absolutely. He's on quarterback. He's on pace to shatter the record for most sacks of all time in his career. He shatter it. He he's amazing. He has the magic, but he cannot be taking this many hits. If he wants to play like we saw, like we're going to see Drew Brees and Tom Brady play in their forties and in a big Mm -hmm. game coming up this weekend, if we want to see him playing in his forties, if he wants to see him playing in his forties, he has to get the ball out, man. He has to get the ball out of his hands. He's not as quick as he once was. He's still elusive and he can move around, but he needs to be able to get the ball out quick and not sit back there and wait for Aaron Donald's loving arms. Seriously, well, every, is, every is he too young? So, is he too? I'm gonna just uh, play off of what if Josh I just said. died in your arms tonight. Yeah, I think I'm concerned. Why isn't he as quick? He's not. He's not aged out yet. And no, I mean he's still quick. You still see him get yards. It's not like he do, he can't run. He's not. He's not Jared Goff back there looking like a board. And as soon as there's space, kind of goes like a fainting goat. <laughs> And stiffens up you know he's he can still run you see him get yards out there he can move still but he has to be able to get the ball out of his hands people were looking to contain him you know like they were surprised by that the first couple of years but surprise surprise russell wilson has started a a movement of every quarterback being mobile so teams are ready for that teams are looking for that and it's a lot harder to get those scramble out of the pocket and throw it down field yards you have to adapt and that was the biggest downfall i think of the coaching staff too is we did not adapt offensively in the second half of the year in the second half of games we refused to change our plan and that just can't be the case you have to adjust to what your opponents are giving you josh do you think that the seahawks did the best job they could getting the football to every single one of their best athletes on offense i say no no, absolutely not. I mean, Chris Carson only had, what, 16 touches? And he he was running great. You know, I would have loved to see him get a couple more touches that game. I would have loved to see Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf get, get some more catches and get more involved in that game. But you can't just get them involved in runs way down the field. You have to get them involved in those in those quick games. And, and screen passes that work, not screen passes that are telegraphed, where you have a big neon sign above your head saying, hey, this is a screen pass. Please give pick me, me a big Pick me. Here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Michelle, I think one of the things that Josh brought up, and I'll just put it succinctly this way, your offense needs to spread the opposing defense out all over the field. And that's one of the things that the Seahawks Mm. did not do in that final, uh, in that final game of the year in the final, in the playoff game. 
Yeah, I think I think a, a few things a, a few things stood out to me. I I think the offense declined as the play of the offensive line declined as we got into the second half of the season. And some of that was injuries. Some of that was, uh, I don't know, guys maybe not being as good as they, they looked the first part of the season. Um, we had a rookie that I think hit the wall. Um, that, I think that's part of it. And one of the reasons I say that is not just because Russell is getting sacked because he does often hold the ball too long, but, um, the lack of success on third downs, especially those third and short plays and fourth and short plays, it just, that one of the reasons why Chris Carson didn't get more carries is that they weren't able to sustain drives and convert those third downs. And I don't remember what their percentage Excellent. was, Rich, on third down conversions, but it was way below what it needed to be, especially if you're going to focus on running the ball. Uh, if go, I go, go back, if I go back into the book, <laughs> I believe the last number that I saw was something like 42%. Oh. That's the last number that I saw. Yeah. So the well, they were not doing it. They, they were like, I think they were third or just, fourth. It's just too low. Worst? And you, yeah. Well, yeah, I I mean, how many, how many times, how many times did we have an entire half or, you know, that uh, which game towards the end of the season where they went 30 minutes with, you know, three and outs every time they had the ball. And most of those times they had a third and one, third and two and didn't convert. You also had in this last game, I don't know how many penalties, how many holding penalties. If you have a one drive or you have a holding penalty on first down, the next drive you get sacked on first down, the next drive you throw a pick six. You can't, you and, can't uh, advance that. I know, I know, I know, I know that. Hey, by the way, on that yeah. pick six, I know it was telegraphed, but you have two receivers that stood there and watched the ball as oh, a defender. And, Freddie and Swain defend missed a block too. And defend, yeah, and, and, and a DK defender Mecca was coming in. On it. Yeah, nobody, nobody went for the ball or the defender. They stood. Yeah, it was, and so, yeah, I, and Russ, I, I'm not going to put that one on him because that's a turn and throw on a play that you're depending on those guys to respond to the play the way they needed to and neither of them did what they needed to yeah anyway, i i, I, I want to say piece, that so. as we <laughs> as we wipe down and clean up from this season russell wilson facebooked and said he's grateful for nine for year nine, tons of highs and some lows the best days are ahead jesus i will always give you the glory year 10 hashtag day one and that's win or lose that's an attitude that we can all adopt it's all Amen. feeling like we're playing a losing game in in our society with all the things going against us and putting our eyes on jesus the author and the finisher of our faith that's huge that's why uh, sports is an analogy for life. Sports plays out the way life does. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but there's a greater goal to be scored. And I thought, I think he hit it right there. I think, you know, this final game was uh, the perfect storm, if you will, um, to, for the Seahawks to finish the season the way they did. Um, and, and I go all the way back to the beginning when Russell Wilson his first four games, <clears throat> everybody said, hey, here's a guy who looks like, you know, the he looks like the MVP, right? And everybody was talking him up like that. 
and I think that gets into your head as as humble as Russ tries to be and and as grounded as he actually is. I think it gets in your head. And then in the middle of the season, he started trying to do things that he he couldn't actually physically do. Um, some of the passes that he tried to make, some of the things that that were happening. And so he ended up with this game. How many interceptions did he have in that one game? Oh was it four? Or five? It was four, yeah. four interceptions. In one. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk yeah. about and, this. And, and then what happened was there was, then he became gun shy, I think. And so, which relates to what you all were talking about in terms of taking too much time because he was just, he lost that edge that he had in the beginning of the season. You couple that with all these defensive teams being so much stronger and especially in that final game. Yeah, the Rams our, defense, ouch. Whew. And, they and so, they, so they were covering us deep <clears throat> because they were expecting it. They were covering in short. The Our line wasn't giving Russ time. And so all these things combined together just, just made the perfect storm for this Hindenburg experience for us. The last <laughs> Guys, oh, can I? It, well, that was something I was actually <laughs> going to point out, too, because his humility needs to make sure it's coming back here. Because after he trademarked Let Russ Cook, that's when everything went downhill. So yeah. it was it was that moment of trademarking <laughs> let Russ cook and not just not just ride not at that I think is what the the epitome of all the issues is I that what I would say is I would say Russ remember who you're working for your work you are not working for your agent you are working for Jesus yeah so in every decision that you every decision that you make everything that you do first of all you're working for Jesus no matter what whether it's professional life or personal life and if your agent told you to, you know, copyright that hashtag and all that stuff, your agent doesn't have final authority over you. There you Jesus go. Does. Some words of wisdom from Encyclopedia Rich. Let's talk some of the continued playoffs. <clears throat> now that us Seahawks fans have got to find a different team to root for, our our guy from the East Coast is not with us today, Chris Brown, but a lot of us are saying, all right, Chris, we're going to ride out the Ravens. Hey, I was born in Narlands, Louisiana, so I'm really looking forward to this matchup with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Uh, that's going to, I mean, two all-time. Yeah, the geriatric. <laughs> oh, ouch, ouch, ouch. There oh. you go. Hey, do you know who won the COVID Bowl? This hey, they're year younger. The they're NFL? still younger than me, so I can't. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Who, do you Tell guys know? about the COVID Bowl. Michelle. Who won the COVID Bowl this year <laughs> in the NFL? Actually, no, the Seahawks with no the positive Seahawks tests. We're the only no, ones with right. no positive tests. So, guys, at least we've got that. All right. So, let's talk about some of these other matchups, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> That's a very bad consolation prize, I have to say. I will yeah. take what I can get. Be quiet. <laughs> Story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take on some of uh, the other games. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at um, Saints and the Bucks. Man, that's going to be a good game. Geriatric Bowl. You ruined it, Fred. That's funny. Um, Saints, win, Saints win. Saints win at home. Saints. I hope win at so. Home. I hope so. Do they have fans in the stands there? I believe they have uh, several, a small group, several thousand. Okay. Does, how, yeah. does that make a difference? I mean, the, does it make a difference? I think it does. So, I think psychologically, it does. I mean, psychologically. I mean, seriously, oh, yeah. do you think Huge it would difference. have made a difference if 
the Seahawks had fans in the stands? I mean, that I don't know. Not enough of one. <laughs> not not enough of one. Not enough. Not well, enough. It's hard to tell because it is so much of an intangible um, in terms of the psychology of the players and how they're feeling and how they're uh, how they're getting up right? for the game. So I I I don't I wouldn't underestimate the uh, the value of that. All yeah. right. So Brent, yeah. uh, I, I would Bucks I would Saints? not. I don't I don't know if it would have. I don't know if it would have affected the uh, the way the offense played, but between uh, Wolford and Goff, um, them coping with the Seattle crowd might have made a difference on that end of that side of the ball. But I, regardless, the Seahawks didn't deserve in any way to win that game. So it, it's just as well the fans were spared having to see it live. Yeah, there you go. All right, Brent, uh, back to the the Bucks and the Saints. Who who's your pick? Oh Saints. man, I, I I would like to see the Saints win. Um, on, most of America would. I, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I I I feel like Tampa. It's hard to say a team with Tom Brady on it's a sleeping giant, but you have the kind of talent they have on that team, and it took them a while to really become a team, and they're starting to look like they are a team now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that. Yeah, that could be dangerous. And I think as far as, um, as far as just as far as straight up for performance right now between Brady and Breeze, I think Brady looks healthier. I know he's healthier. He didn't have to miss games with with broken ribs and all that, but he's healthier, and I, I think he's just got that much more arm strength still and accuracy that Breeze I don't think has what he used to have. So as much as I don't want to, and as right, much let's as I move on. Like I don't want to Washington hear Washington to have um, knocked off Tampa. Yeah. Can I can I counter his argument? Can I counter his argument? Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. I will counter his argument with uh, Alvin Kamara, who scored a boatload of touchdowns this year for the Saints' offense, and the Saints' defense is better than the Tampa defense, and the Saints are at home. That's my argument. Okay. Yeah, I think I think New Orleans is the more complete. I want you. To, I want you to. I want you to be right. Um, <laughs> if you look up and down and the I, whole roster, I really think that New Orleans has the better overall team here. I think that like you have a lot of really offensive talent on Tampa. They have some good defenders too, but as a whole team, like talent level, you got to give the edge to New Orleans. And yes, uh, Tom Brady is a little bit healthier than Drew Brees, but. I think Drew Brees over the course of his career, even though he doesn't have the Super Bowls, has been the better quarterback overall. I, I, I'm going to give it to the Saints here, even though I think it'll be a good game and a close game. And this might be the last time we ever see this matchup of two of the greats. Well, yeah, it's rumored Brees is going to be retiring. So I don't know. We'll see, Garrick. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I think all the comments that, that, that have been made are are very, very accurate and. I, I think that X factor is this um, this up and coming Buccaneers team that has really started to gel and really started to come together for the playoffs. Um, this is going to be a great game. All right. Who's going to make it all the way? I mean, we've got Ravens are looking pretty good and we've got to do a little rooting for the Ravens for our compatriot uh, Chris Brown, right? Well, I'd like to say that the Ravens could do it, but it's hard to win on the road in Woo. the NFL playoffs, Josh. But the road's yeah. different than it was. Sorry, Josh. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I, I really like the AFC is good this year, guys. The AFC is really good, and I just don't see them making it all the way. Not with the Chiefs, not with the Bills there. I, I think the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. I really like what they're bringing to the table, especially like the way that they've been playing late in the year this year. Uh, it's been it's been so good. And seeing that uh, we're going to see them and the chiefs play each other. I think that's ah, the inevitable okay. end of this. Although I don't want to sleep on what the Ravens are bringing or the, or Browns, the Browns are bringing. I the think Browns. they're going to be Come on, the game. Browns. What, what a party that was in Cleveland. Uh, no masks, <laughs> you know, but. Uh... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, see, that's what happens when the Steelers don't show up either. I mean, yeah. he, when you take a 28 point lead, you better win a playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I will say this. I will say this for the Steelers. They they made the Seahawks not the most disappointing team of the weekend. Yeah. For once in our lives, we're thinking the Steelers. <laughs> yes. Let's remember the Steelers started out 11 and 0. That's yep. funny. Yeah. They were 11 and 0. That's... And then to have that kind of collapse is just crazy. Yeah. That's, That's going to be a tough pill, to, <laughs> tough pill to swallow. And they fired their offensive coordinator. So, yeah, hey, right. You got to think Big Ben's <laughs> close to being done. You know, like he he fell apart the last half of the year. I, I don't know how much more football Big Ben has in him. Josh, are they going to be looking for a quarterback for the next few years or what's going to be happening there? What do you think? Well, it's it's hard when you've done so well for the first half of the year. You make the playoffs, and now you got to go out and and find a quarterback. So, for a team like them who has a lot of talent on their roster and can be very good, mm-hmm. they have to go out there and try to find a free agent. They got to. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they start looking at guys like the Marcus Mariotas of the world mm-hmm. and see like, hey, can we bring in one of these guys that's been a starter as a backup now, but really has a potential to be a long-term starter and see if they can, if anything, be a bridge guy. You know, we're going to see some of those guys out there. I really like Marcus Mariota. I really like that guy. I think he can be a baller and I think he deserves a chance to, to be the starter again and not be hidden uh, on the back shelf, but you might also see them try. I mean, Deshaun Watson might be trying to force his way out of, out of Houston, the disaster of an organization. Oh yeah. That's a disaster all the way around. Oh man. Guys, I want to switch gears here. At least we're not Houston. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I want to switch Amen. gears here and talk about some of the future of sports with politics being such a big part of sports and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. We have uh, political activism so becoming so interwound with sports that it's it, it's not going anywhere soon. So um, just a just to play this uh, par- partial statement from um, Megan Rapino. Take a listen. This is the last layer that we needed to rip off, although it's been uh, abundantly clear. Now, let me let me set this up. This was in response to the Capitol protests. This is what she had to say. It's like the the last layer to to rip off. And Here here's her words. You know, a number of hundred years what the real issue is. This was about white supremacy and holding up white supremacy. And I hope that um, we can see this and, you know, move forward with justice. And I think that's the only way that, um, that we can actually move forward. I think it's all out in the open. It's all stripped bare at this point. And so hopefully, um, 
you know, the lawmakers will have the courage to do what, what needs to be done, and um, everyday citizens as well will we'll understand that we have a part to play in it um, just as everybody else does. So, All right, I want to get your thoughts on this, guys. Not everyone who voted for Donald Trump is white. Nor are they racist. <laughs> Nor are they racist. In fact, more African-Americans and Hispanics and Asians voted for Trump this time than they did last time. And I would good say statistic. to Megan Rapino, you voted. If if you want to talk about who's a white supremacist and who you voted for, Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. He also said he didn't want his kids growing up in a racial jungle when it came to resegregating schools. So he also that... said that uh, th- that poor kids are just as smart as white kids. Oh, what? <laughs> come on. And and you know what? I, I'm going to all of those things are true, but that does not necessarily make Joe Biden a racist. It makes him kind of ignorant, maybe old school. We come with our own thoughts, our biases. Yeah. Well, and no, but it does make him wrote the crime it, bill that put us in the situation we are where we're saying there's systemic racism. And he it literally does, built a systemic racism people are complaining about. And it does make him a hypocrite for criticizing Donald Trump and calling him a white supremacist and calling him the most racist president in history. Indeed. But when it comes to and we, we lost Brent, so we'll keep an eye and see if he comes back. I'll if keep he was an just eye for him checking. Back. He was he's going for a break to check his privilege. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brent. <laughs> He's coming back now. We, we can't. We 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 have to wait until he comes back before we can bash him like that. <laughs> you're right. That's true. My bad. All right. Can we? Brent, do that you're now? back. Were you off checking? Were you you're back? Were you off checking your privilege? <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I must have. I. I am privileged with my internet connection today, so uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Kind of all coming right. and going. <laughs> well, my opinion about all. It's like hand me my barf bag. I, I I'm so Amen, sick of brother. It. I'm Amen. so absolutely fed up. Because it would be one thing if people are making substantive content or comments that are based on reality and fact. But it is simply just political drama and theatrics and it's um, feelings whatever, played off as whatever bad. my yeah. narrative mm-hmm. is, I will speak into it. Regardless of what's going on, if I see something that I think I can exploit in that way, I'm just going to do it. Amen. It, Anyone it's else? nauseating. Josh? Yeah, I, I echo all of those comments. I mean, I, I've said before, I'm, I'm not I'm no big fan of Donald Trump. I don't think he's been this great revelation of the greatest president of all time. I like some things he's done, but I find myself more often than not defending him because of the ridiculous things people say about what him. What an now, awkward position to be in, too. <laughs> it is. I hate, I mean, you guys know I'm libertarian. I, I hate both parties. I think they're both awful and they're they're both corrupt. But here hey, I am I'm, defending I'm right Donald there Trump. with you, man. I'm an independent, so nobody <laughs> likes me, man. <laughs> it's awful. I, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Joe Lieberman. New York, it's in 2025. I, 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 I I lost my connection, so I've missed much of the discussion. But but I I've kind of at the point. No, where this, we where it's spent, like I'm we, we didn't say anything I I, like, before you say anything. I feel like Brent, those, 
I feel like yeah. Brent, we didn't say anything. We just made fun of you going and checking your privilege. That's all oh, that happened. Oh, cool. So you're good. You you're good. Well, this Go still fits then. So I, I just feel like I'm watching this situation where there's no good guys. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, it's, uh, I, 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 th- I, I, seriously, I, seriously, I, I sent this to Garrick this morning. It's like, honestly, just to, to I don't want to like sidestep the discussion, but a lot of the discussion ends up being pretty worthless, but I think it's really easy to get focused on the wrong thing with all of this stuff that's going on around us. And I was really convicted um, with uh, this passage from Philippians this morning, but it, I'll just read part of it from Philippians 4. It says, keep your thoughts continue, continually fixed on all that's authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And it's like, we can get fixated on all the stuff that's happening and I'm not saying blind ourselves to it, but if that's what we're going about our daily lives, thinking about constantly, it's just poison. So right, there's a balance. We have to address the reality that's happening in front of us, but it's like, it's become this, this um, circus it's, that we're just it's totally a football, fixated. It's a football that both sides with. throw back and forth. It's actual football that, people throw back and forth yeah yeah you said we didn't care about uh the lawmakers inciting violence excusing horrible behaviors uh telling people you know we got to burn this burn it down during the summer and now and we didn't care one lick about about police now all of a sudden we do and you look at it and if you are megan you're blinded by it and you are you are so entrenched in the religion of your own politics you can't see that both sides are fighting wanting to be heard feeling left out uh feeling marginalized many people struggling financially and they just want to be heard we are so busy entrenched in our own mindsets and it happens on the right too you can't see that there is a a narrative that people are trying to get out that we don't listen we're not willing to listen at all just blame and this is the thing that i wanted to get your thoughts on where sports are concerned we're talking about justice she was talking about justice as if justice is this hammer to beat the crap and and smash the heads open of your opponent yes there must be justice everyday people lawmakers we got to bring that hammer down basically but a hammer doesn't have to be something that tears apart a hammer can be something that builds something in sports will we see this kind of continued blinders on uh religious jihad fever rip sports teams apart i think people will try people will try but people are also getting fed up michelle and i think that's we but, have to really realize got, that people here in are Seattle, getting fed up here in Seattle, we've got the storm, we've got the the rain, both headed by strong women who are who are very politically minded. They have taken big stances that that exclude any other kind of thinking. So what does the that do for and the, the Sounders future? And, as well? And here's Sounders the, as and well. Here's, thank you. Thank you. And here's the thing. Let's talk about let's talk about the rain and the storm. 
The rain and the storm have some of the smallest attendance in professional sports. I believe based on that, if the rain and if the rain and the storm want to popularize women's soccer and basketball, they're going about it the wrong way because it's not being used as a positive force for change for all people. I don't think it unfortunately is going to get any better anytime soon, because if you just look at the way that things are trending and, and just, I, I, it, it's actually kind of frightening um, the way that voices are being silenced. If you don't just kind of come from this woke position that is, you know, just one particular side and Michelle, I think you just hit, hit it right on the head, which is that, and, and this is very true on both sides is that we've lost the ability to listen. I, it's just like, I'm, I'm going to talk. And if you disagree with me, I'm going to talk louder and I'm going to talk over you and I'm going to silence you so that my point can win. And, uh, and so I think that that is the, the sad and painful reality of what we're dealing with today. Garrick, do you feel as a pastor that you're going to be censored here pretty soon? I, I, I'm concerned. Uh, I, I truly am concerned. Um, uh, thankfully, I, the, the gospel of Jesus, I mean, it, it's controversial, but I, I, I sense that, that those who are, I, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it just depends on, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, all these thoughts are swirling in my mind because there's so many different facets to what's going on in the world today. Um, most of them are kind of centered on certain issues, and, and I think the gospel is very clear in terms of breaking a lot of these, um, these strongholds that I think have been in culture and society that, that truly do need reforming. However, um, there are also things that the scriptures teach that are very clear, which do not fit into the political narrative for which I think there Amen. could very easily be um, some look to silence the voices. Right. So, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's not a selective, it's not a line item veto. It's, it's actually, it's a, it's a cancel culture. And that's my concern, right? So unless you agree with everything, you're going to be out completely. And that's a concern as we look at the future of sports, upcoming players. You have to fit in this mindset and this narrative that's being sold to you. What if you don't? Josh, some of... um, one of your favorite movies is Remember the Titans. It was a, we all, I mean, who doesn't love that film? How can you not Never like gets that old. movie? Uh, That's an awesome movie. Where people are coming from two different sides, two different mindsets. They're forced together to listen to one another, to play with one another, to respect one another in their differences. That's what sports does. But if we have the Megan Rapinos of the world, where does that leave the, the kids who are different in the future? It is really no different. You want to talk about white supremacy right there. That's a, a white privileged woman who is enforcing her mindset and her ideology on absolutely everyone else without any regard to how other people feel not being willing to listen. What does that do for the future of sports, Josh? Yeah, well, it's a really 
dangerous mindset that people have that some opinions don't deserve a voice. And, you know, even if it's an awful opinion, I want to hear what you think about it because Thank you, I think that the truth wins. I, I think that the truth wins. And if, you know, you can have that discussion in earnest and you can have that discussion in, in openness and honesty, then that's where you actually get to the truth of the matter. And someone might be incredibly wrong. I still want to engage with them about it and talk to them about it and have an honest conversation. Amen. And historically, Locker rooms are one of the most diverse places that you'll ever see. You look at NFL locker rooms, NBA locker rooms, all these locker rooms, incredibly diverse. People from all kinds of backgrounds. You see people that have grown up in million-dollar houses that have been spoon-fed their entire lives. You see people that they were the oldest sibling taking care of their five younger siblings, you know, who had no, no real parents around. You see entire opposite ends of the spectrum in those locker rooms. And I hope that our locker rooms can continue to maybe that'll be be the hope and be the, be, be that. I think that there are some sports where that is not always the case and that's unfortunate. And I think that fans are going to continue to tear each other apart. I hope that we can find common ground that springs from the locker room, springs from the players being willing to have conversations and accept people, no matter what they think, no matter what they look like, no matter what they say, that we can accept that diversity of, of thought into our inclusion of diversity and that that moves out from that locker room to the fans and the people that see these men and women that are supposed to be examples for the rest of, of I think that that sports will, can be part of what heals and here's why uh, Megan Rapino plays on the US women's national team there are several outspoken women of faith that play on that team women who she considers her sisters on the team women who she considers you know her fellow players when you see the light of Christ which does not disclude and push people away but draws people with kindness it's your kindness that leads us to repentance amen that amen. is that that light that is it it's irresistible it's absolutely irresistible and it can shine the light of what it can look like i want to be that kind of player in the game of life the one that shines that light of i don't care what your sexual orientation is i don't care if you're a guy with too much wearing too much makeup and a skirt i don't boom i just said it right there i don't care what your religious affiliation is i don't care who you voted for i don't care if you wear a mask or don't want to wear a mask I want to know you. You are important. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the heart. Michelle, sit down and stop preaching. Go ahead, guys. Well, I would say First Peter three fifteen. <laughs> I think, I, I think got to got to give people a reason for the hope that lies within you, and the real and the only real hope is Jesus Christ. Brent. Well, I, I think I, to, I totally agree with you, Rich. I think um, we we do get. Uh, caught up talking about the big time sports here because that's what everybody mm-hmm. knows and is familiar with but if we want to talk about sports being a solution to some of this it's where we're not playing at all in washington it's like at the high school and younger levels that's where you get the kids kids together from the different backgrounds um, that have this common goal they get to know each other their buddies all that kind of stuff we've seen 
through the lockdowns and all that, that isolation breeds extremism. And all the things we're seeing happen in Washington, we, what we've Ooh. seen here, they it's good. It's it, it it's opened up all the fault lines that maybe were already there, but it's created these chasms because we can't get together for really almost any reason. Um, we can talk, but all, automatically that puts the topic right front and center where sometimes you need to be working alongside somebody playing a game on a construction site or whatever to get to know them as a person so that you can have those harder discussions later. I think it's a lot harder to try to gather a bunch of people that don't know each other onto Zoom and throw a bunch of politics in and, and try to settle anything. So I think that's where sports, these lower levels where millions more people play and no one ever sees it. I think that's where a lot of the healing can happen if we can get back to doing those things. Last night I was on the soccer field with a bunch of guys and we, we had some discussion afterwards. And so I know for a fact that we are all over the place from a political perspective. However, uh, we get out on the field and we play. We play together. We we broke up into two teams. It's just a small sided scrimmage. But we work together. We play together. We have different colors out there. We have different sizes and shapes. And 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 that is the the beauty of sports. And Michelle, you know, and just to reiterate what you were saying, I mean, <clears throat> I'm wearing my 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 shirt or my my jacket today from Ambassadors Football. Um this is a soccer organization that I was a part of starting uh, close to 30 years ago. And um, this ministry that we have and that we are all of us as followers of Jesus called to from second Corinthians chapter five. And I want to just read this because I, I think this is so relevant for what we're facing today. So from now on, and this is what you said earlier, Michelle, we, we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I mean, Megan Rapino is completely looking at things from a completely worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And what did he give us? He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. We are reconcilers. That Come God on. was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Now think about that, if we could apply that in the world. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And this is where I get we get the name for this shirt. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Like we that. implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God who made him who had no sin be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the hope. And that is the hope. So no matter what team is playing, you know they're going to let you down sooner or later. Hello, Seahawks. Hello, Sounders. But <laughs> we do know this, that there is a hope, a real hope that we can absolutely count on. It is time for us to take our final shot. That's where we go around the round table. Everyone gives a thought, a shout out. Time to a 
Can you hear us, Brent? I went went first last week. Okay. (laughs) Okay. In other words, he's still thinking. We'll go to Josh. (laughs) It looks like Rich is ready. Okay, Rich. I'll go first. Congratulations to Jody Allen for making a stupendous administrative move, signing John Schneider, GM and vice president of the Seahawks, to another five-year contract extension. Okay. Josh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to shout out to the Browns. Congratulations for breaking that that streak of no playoff wins. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield has stepped up. He was a Oklahoma QB, Sooner Boomer. Uh, he's, he's done a really good job this year. And I think that their organization, it took them a while to turn it around. They were one of the few teams, if you remember, to ever have done it and gone winless in a season. Uh, them and the Lions, I believe, being the only two that I recall unless Rich has an encyclopedic knowledge there that I'm missing one of them. No, no, but, you're right on the mark there. I got it. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but congratulations to them. That's really big. And I, I you know, I think they're going to do some damage here against the chiefs with the energy that they're bringing. I mean, they have no expectations at this point. They, they shattered their expectations. They, they made it to the playoffs. They won a game. Now they're going up against the chiefs. So a, a team with no expectations, but a lot of hope is a dangerous team for anyone one to play so i'm excited to watch that game this weekend garrick my final shot will go to one that you guys will would never ever guess that i would that any of us would select this person but i'm actually going to give my final shot to jared goff uh, a guy who last week was put on the bench and injured and people basically had written him off and yet he was called up to come back into the game and and he brought it and and he he showed character and composure and and he I mean sadly he beat us but but I think he deserves a a shout out today so my final shot to Jared Goff Brent Baker you win a playoff game with a broken thumb you win a playoff game with a broken thumb you deserve some props (laughs) you know as weird as this sounds I'm going to give my shout out to Russell Wilson and not because of the way he played but we've talked about in the past how it's it's easy to praise God when you've won something Come on, but yeah. you know his tweet afterwards <clears throat> where he was he was thank he was thankful for the opportunity that God had given him um, in after a defeat uh, I know he's been there before I mean I, I think after that Super Bowl loss anything is manageable but even at that point you know he's always handled these moments well um so i'm going to give my shout out to russ for once again um you know facing up to um the fact that it's not always going to come go your way even if you are a follower of christ and sometimes especially if you're not so i like that so my final shot goes out to the sea wolves they will start their season on march 20th they'll be playing austin i'm looking forward to it Uh, this is rugby and major league rugby rugby. this is you know this is the year four of major league rugby um 
this is this is amazing that Seattle has won the shield every single year. Good for them. But that's not why I want to give it the shout out. I want to give it the shout out based on what we were talking about today because rugby is an extraordinary game. These this is probably the kick buttest game out there. I mean, it is rough. These guys they're they're doing all of the all of the tackles and the rough play that you find in hockey and football without the helmets. This is, they're crazy. They're actually, I think they actually are. I think they're, they actually have to be to play, <laughs> to play rugby. But here's the thing. Rugby has, has some uniqueness amongst it that when there's a, a a foul called everyone's not there yelling at each other or challenging the referee one man does that their their captain will go out and and do the challenge they show respect after no matter how physical they got no matter they may even have some uh, altercations on the pitch afterwards they're all going out and they're having a beer, and they're sitting together. The the United States, our society, could learn a little bit about life from rugby. So that's why they, <laughs> they yeah, that's why they get my shout out. There you go, uh, guys. Thank you so very much for joining us today in this our. We're in a brand new year, and uh, we're just plugging along with My Michelle Live, Sports Time Out. We are sharing the God story, so wherever you're hearing this, uh, like it, share it, tell your friends, because it's not just about content and the cool guys that we have on this roundtable. It's about sharing the God story in a way people can hear it. So there you go. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Michelle. You have to contact Webster's Dictionary to add uh, Michelle's new adjective, kick buttus. For more fun, go to mymichellelive.com.